You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, everybody, and welcome back uh, for all you iTunes listeners. Yes, no more issues. We are 100% back for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here on Locked On Browns. Your host, Jeff Lloyd. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Sitting down today with one of uh, you know my favorite guests, um, one of the hardest working guys. Whether it's through you know football game plan, whether it's you know working now with the Ross Tucker podcast, whether it is showing up to uh, do play by play for anywhere up and down the East Coast. Um, at football game plan, Mr. Emery Hunt. First things first, Emery. I hope you had a fantastic birthday yesterday, and I'm glad you could take some time to join us here today. Well, I appreciate that, man, and and always a pleasure to be on talking ball with you. And and yeah, I was able to enjoy myself. I finally jumped into the 40s, and uh, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I embrace getting older, and and just happy to be happy to be here, just talking shop. And look, Emery, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know, make you feel bad. I'm not going to say it's all downhill. Um, you're one of those guys that actually puts an effort into keeping yourself in shape. So you may have a better run here for this next decade that some of us have. <laughs> and yes, I will point the finger at myself. But we're going to talk here some Browns here today. Um, and, and nationally wise, I, I think, you know, when we saw yesterday with Marcus Spears, um, I, I think more and more, you know, it, it seems people are starting to maybe buy in. Obviously, a very successful run in 2020 for the Cleveland Browns. Um, a very impressive offseason again here for Andrew Barry, whether it was through the free agent cycle, whether it was through the draft. But the key to this now is, and, you know, there's always, and we talk so much with the NFL, and, you know, whether it's with, you know, players coming into the league the first time, coaches, systems, how important that jump is from year one to year two. Obviously, things started to really gel down the stretch for Kevin Stefanski for the offense, certainly with you know Baker Mayfield finding his fit. Um, but here is now year two, and you know they're gonna have a you know a few more advantages as a you know as to what they can do, how they can learn. There's gonna be some players in this week for OTAs. What's realistic here, and you know what could be thought, uh, you know, as far as, you know, what they were able to do in 2020 and where the horizons could be for 2021. I think a realistic approach would be to look at what improved last year. We saw the offense get better as the season went on. Um, Defensively is I think where 2021 is, is really going to hand John. Uh, If the defense can get significantly better, then we'll see them take another step forward uh, this season, I think just based off on paper, you know, looking at their two deep and what they did last year, they should expect 11 wins again. You know, this is not a, a bad football team on paper. They play a, a good brand of football on the field, you know, one that that yields itself to, to winning. Um, and as much as people love to to talk about or clown the run game, you know, if you're still able to play play good defense and run the football, you're still going to be in position to win a boatload of games in the NFL. And the Browns are built to do that um, with what they have, you know, available up front along the offensive line with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Now, if that defense just takes another step forward, 
you can see a team that goes from that kind of it can't expect to be a divisional round type team um, because that's how good they are on both sides of the ball. So that's the jump for me is just whether or not the defense on paper looks good. But if they can take that next step uh, on the field defensively, that's where you'll see the biggest jump. I'm not worried about the offense at all. Yeah, I, I don't think many people should be because it's in it's crazy that you talk about they've literally almost lost nothing from the offensive side of the ball uh you know gained obviously a couple of players we'll get to the running back room um you know in a little bit here in, in segment two with Emery and obviously in the last segment we'll do a little bit talk in general on the AFC North um but for a franchise for so long Emery they were in disarray whether it was you know general manager and the coaching staff you know not on the same page whether it was a coaching staff and the players not on the same page, whether it was every single person in the building not on the same page. Um, you hear Andrew Barry speak. You hear Kevin Stefanski speak. You hear the players speak. It's such a unison, and it's almost like a one language. You can basically change the faces and the voices of who's speaking, but the the message the you know the goals and you know what they're you're know, looking to achieve and, and, and the verbiage of what every one of these guys is using it's all the same and it's such a rarity for a franchise like the Browns after all these years to finally achieve what a lot of other franchises have had for a very long time yeah and you see this not only just in the NFL but you see it in college football also where if you have a clear direction and everyone is sharing the same message it doesn't matter where you where you are, whether you're at, you know, Michigan or at Michigan Tech. It doesn't matter. Everyone is on the same page and you're finding ways to win. And the buy in is a lot easier when you're getting the same message from the top person all the way down to the bottom person. Uh, so I think when you have a clear vision, clear direction, a shared vision and a shared goal and direction, it's easier to then make moves. Because if we're being completely honest, I would say the Browns for like the last five years, maybe have always drafted. Well, you know, they've had talent and every year people fall in love with the talent they've had on a roster. You even go back to seven years. I feel like the Browns have always done really good things in a draft. So the team on paper, you could look at it and say, well, well okay, we well, could find at least seven wins here. This is not a bad football team. Or even when they would lose games, you, you know, think about the Owen 16 year, you, you think about that and like, well, you know, they were, wasn't really getting blown out in a lot of these games. Like they're not 0-16 type terrible when, when you think of it. Now with a clear direction, clear focus, clear message, uh, share vision, all those good things, they can take that same approach with the, with the draft and with the player acquisition process and now win those close games and find ways to, to overcome deficits and not shoot themselves in the foot and that's how you get what we saw in 2020. It's, it, it, I think it's, you know, it's just fun. It's like kind of like just cracking the seal. And like once you realize and everybody's kind of got the confidence and the feeling of, yes, we can do this. Yes, we are, you know, quote unquote, good. And you know, once you, you finally have a little bit of success, it, it makes you, you know, thirst and want for more. And it makes you understand that, you know, you know, hey, going a little bit extra mile on the gym here because it's worth it. And, you know, now that we've had success, it's, you know, we're not just doing this to, you know, basically hopefully get ourselves on the path for success. And the biggest thing, obviously, for this team is, you know, going into this next year is going to be understanding that what you did in 2020 
that was fantastic. But, you know, in the holy grail of things in the NFL, you know, a bunch of teams make the playoffs every year. Obviously, a bunch of teams win games, but it's about taking it to that next level in the NFL. Yeah, you go from you last year was hoping to win. We hope we could win. We hope we could do this. And when you see the good teams turn into great teams, you go from hoping to win to expecting to win. So now you go into the season with expectations and you expect to win. And that changes things because it puts a little bit of pressure on you. Hey, we expect to win this game. So we got to make sure we tighten up X, Y, and Z. And if you don't go from hope to expectation, then you're going to find yourself swimming in that same level of the same sea of mediocrity uh, that plagues a lot of teams. You know, when teams have these flash good years, juxtaposed to them not having a good year the following season, that's where you go because they're shocked that they won and they don't put in the work to go from hope to expectation. And it's going to be a heck of a ride. It's going to be a heck of a ride. We're going to get to a few things more here uh, with the czar of the Telestrator, Mr. Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, through CBS Sports as well. And of course, you know, color commentary all over the place, part of the Ross Tucker podcast as we continue through here on your Tuesday edition of Locked On Browns. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they will help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you can win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to fly, uh, to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance, requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATNs. Credit Karma Money progress starts here right now visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma go to creditkarma.com slash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma that's creditkarma.com slash win money we are sitting here with these are of the telestrator mr emery hunt now, Emory, uh, if you folks don't know, back in the day, Emory Hunt was a fine collegiate running back um, and one of my favorite people to discuss the running back position with. Emory, they had a, a, a fun year last year, and obviously it was year two, the first year with uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. It was only you know eight, eight games as you know Kareem Hunt joined the team late in the 2019 season. Uh, last year, you know Nick Chubb looked apart for most of the season, missed some time, which was you know, a little bit of a blow to this team. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt, you know, brings a receiving presence that Nick Chubb, all, all, though he's getting better, just a better natural receiver, Kareem is. Um, the two of them behind a, an incredible offensive line. And I love when, the point you brought up earlier about, you know, still being able to play, you know, being able to play good defense, still being able to run the ball. And there still were times in 2020 where things weren't necessarily working with the passing game. And it was like, all right, well, we're going to dedicate this drive to the running game because we know we don't have many issues with this. And five, six plays later, the next thing you know, offense went 70 yards, Chubb, Hunt, one of them's in the end zone. 
Um, things, you know, they were able to capitalize it, you know, capitalize and use it strongly in the red zone, you know, against Pittsburgh in the playoffs, a, a strong example. Um, you know, financially, it's it could be an issue come towards the end of the 2021 season going towards the 2022 season. But right now, the Browns are in an enviable, enviable position as far as a running back group. And you talk about so many teams with this, you know, obviously running back by committee, and it's kind of essentially what the Browns are doing. But when you have a former NFL rushing champ, you have a player in Nick Chubb who's, you know, had statistical greatness in his career to this point. It is kind of a running back by committee, um, but it's made up of some really, really solid parts. Yeah, and, you know, when I throw this comparison out there, it's not a one-to-one, but it's, you know, similar in the sense that, when you look at what the Browns have, it's no different than what the Raiders had back in the day with Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. You have two number ones. And when you have two number ones in the backfield, each drive is is a great drive because you're in, you're never in a, a position where you have drop-offs. So you can go from Chubb to Hunt or from Hunt to Chubb and not lose much. And I think that's something that if you're going to do the committee approach, that's kind of how you want to set it up. You want to have two number ones, but like you said, it's going to be tough to keep both guys. Cause both guys are, you know, well, Chubb is going to be there. Hunt is probably going to have to either, you know, settle for a certain salary or move on in 2022. But at the end of the day, right now, while you have them, you have something that a lot of teams wish they had. Um, and I think when you're able to do that and have no drop off from your, you know, tailbacks, your first, your first teamer, your second teamer, man, you're, you're never losing anything with the drive. So let's say Hunt uh, Chubb needs a breather, and if if Hunt wasn't who he was, you know, all right, well, this this drive, we probably got to rely a little bit more on Baker. Probably got to throw a little bit more on this drive. But with Hunt in the game, if Chubb is taking a breather, your offense is still the same, and that's where teams had problems last year in defending the Browns because there was legitimately no drop-off from one to eight, and the offense was able to stay the same and stay the course. So you're, essentially, your offense didn't get tired. Uh, if you look at it that way, and your offense didn't change, so you're constantly bludgeoning people with the same um, game plan, the same run game. And although when you know Hunt is in the game, you do get the added bonus of him being a special receiver. So you do gain a little bit when you go to your RB2. The, the Browns I think have the best backfield in the league pound for pound when you think when you, cause you, you look at one and one, eight and both guys being stars. If Kareem didn't have his off the field issues in KC, he'd still be in KC being one of the top backs in the AFC. So now you got two top backs in the AFC in the same backfield. It's just, it reminds me a lot of what Bo and Marcus was able to do briefly uh, with the Raiders. Now, on day three, and I think the Browns got to the point where they had selections and it was just, okay, you know, we, we real feel really confident about our roster. It, and it's, it, for us, it, you know, it covering the Browns, it was just so strange, you know, that, um, all right, here's a guy we like. We don't necessarily know we have the room for him. And, like, we're going to have camp battles this year where we're talking about, you know, who's the number three running back? You know, who's, you know, the number six wide receiver? Whereas, you know, do we have two starters at wide receiver? I mean, this is stuff we've been discussing for years. Those days are well in the past. They go and select Dimitri Felton out of UCLA. Obviously, a lot of experience at the running back position, a lot of experience at the wide receiver position. Um, Pro day and his test results, you know, was just, I mean, I, I guess just a fluke. Um, you, you watch the tape, just special. 
But you bring in a guy now, and you know where Chubb is strong. You know Hunt has this great versatility within the backfield. But Felton comes in and may be the best route runner of the three and gives you maybe a James White type of dynamic to this offense that they don't necessarily have with either one of the two, something that could aid you know, whether it's a two minute offense, things of that, or, you know, if it is late in the game and you're down and, you know, you got to find a way to get the ball down the field quickly. Um, is there room, uh, you know, can they even have this specialized guy with the special unit they have already up top in this running back room? I think so. And I think when you draft the Demetric Felton, you're, you're looking at, okay, how much can he do? And you just talked about it running game. He was a, he was primarily the running back last year for UCLA. We saw down at the senior bowl, him, primarily be a slot receiver you also look at who you would have to compete with be Darius johnson who's a very fine you know complimentary back in this offense however he doesn't offer a lot of the things felton can do from a versatility standpoint so then you look at felton okay can he return kicks yes he can return kicks i think he plays faster and quicker than he times so the battle will be between felton and johnson for that third running back spot and if felton can prove he can play special teams, then I think that's the easier choice because he can also double down and play receiver where I don't believe Johnson can do it to the level that Felton can. So that's why they went ahead and took Felton because he gives them a runner, gives them a you know sort of slot receiver, and also a guy that can play on special teams, both kickoff and coverage units, a return game and coverage units, I'm sorry. But that's why I believe he has a, a huge opportunity to, to seize that, that RB3 role uh, with the Browns. And this is something where, you know, when you're building out the back end of your roster, um, you know, you want to talk about versatility and, you know, what can players do for me? You know, the Browns made two other selections kind of similar to this, but on the defensive side of the ball, with Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and also with Tony Fields. These are, you know, these type of guys here um, who could prove to be, you know, integral later on in the season, you know, when you start to maybe deal with things like injuries. Um, but like you said, you know, Felton can do, you know, special teams. He can play a slot receiver role. He can play a running back role. Uh, Koromoa Fields, they can do some linebacker things. They can do some safety things. Obviously, both guys are probably going to be heavily relied upon, uh, you know, early in the season on special teams. But this is, you know, how you build up and, and close out that back end of the roster understanding that the game is a war of attrition and there's going to be weeks where some guys, especially now with a 17 game regular season, there's going to be some weeks where some guys just aren't able to go. But when you have more confidence in what you've done at the back end of your roster and knowing that guys come in and it is difficult with players coming from college with the versatility tag, because it seems hard for them to you know, mesh in right away. Because when you say you can do this, he can do a little of that. He, there's also established guys there who already are maybe doing this or that, but it's just the proper way for roster management and understanding, you know, having a utility slash versatile guy towards the end of the roster when his time is ready, you know, you can kind of plug him in and put him in a situation where, you know, the young man can succeed for you later in the season when those games are more important than obviously any other ones on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talk about those defensive players. You got to also believe, you know, you got a game plan for your for your division. And you think about Baltimore and what the speed they have or with Pittsburgh and how they want to spread the field and, and beat you in, in ISO mode. They want to, you know, try to find individual matchups across the board. Uh, Cincinnati now has, you know, some speed that they can work with. So when you have, uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusukor Moore or Tony Fields, now you're able to match up. 
you know, specifically on game day. So if you're facing a team uh, that that can try to beat you with speed, you have speed to match up. If you try to face a team that that you know wants to beat you with formation, well, that's why you add a Greg Newsom uh, in the secondary because if you get Greedy Williams healthy, now you have guys that can match up one on one with these wide receivers. Um, and you want to play safe football, you got you got your your ball hawk and safety and Richard account to play over top. And you can get aggressive with how you p- deploy your safeties if you want to. If you're playing a team like Indianapolis, right? So, the fact that they made these selections, I thought they did a great job all throughout, especially on defense. Because now, football is a matchup game. It's all about situations, and you know when you see someone coming at you with different things that you don't see every week. It's not like college football where you play in a conference where uh, virtually everyone is doing the same thing. NFL football is a little bit different. And so how you maximize your 53 is crucial. That's why I thought the defensive selections they made in the draft were phenomenal, not just from a prospect per prospect basis, but from a situational and matchup perspective. That's where I believe the Browns got significantly better. Yeah, and we're talking about a unit that could have as many as, you know, nine new starters here in 2021. Uh, You know, the turnover is going to be well north of 50% on that defensive side of the ball. And Joe Woods, who did everything he could in 2020, you know, dealing with a very, very, you know, limited, you know, deck, so to speak. And, you know, as much as they were able to do for Kevin Stefanski in the offense in the 2020 offseason, it seems they've been able to do that for Joe Woods. And hopefully he can reach some greater heights here in the 2021 season with a lot, lot more in the toolbox. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Emery, Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd, your host. Uh, And again, folks, back on iTunes. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's a little something for everyone. You guys know my favorite is the mint uh, brownie. Very similar to the Girl Scout cookie taste to it. One of my favorites. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors, 18 bars in total. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they are healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever flavor you prefer. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, all caps, no space, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15. 15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The AFC North featured three playoff teams in 2020, Emory, obviously with the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers matchup, the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson getting his first playoff win. Cincinnati, it was an exciting time up until the loss of Joe Burrow. Uh, The division itself, um, you know, I, I think you have you know, I, I'm not going to say the Ravens are down. I'm not going to say the Ravens are up. Obviously, the Ravens are very, very prominent within this division. You figure Cleveland, Cincinnati with an arrow up. There's Pittsburgh. We'll see the situation that goes there. Uh, but the division as a whole, Emory, and, you know, this used to be a one, two-horse division year in, year out. Um, a lot's changing in the AFC North. And, you know, teams like Cleveland 
and certainly Cincinnati um, for what were very, very, you know, down times and, you know, a lot of look of, you know, are, are they ever going to be able to, you know, get it right and get themselves going in the right direction? It, it seems it's changed. And, you know, obviously this, def- uh, this, con- this division is a lot stronger one through four than it's probably been in a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you had three teams in the playoffs last year, and it's hard to not see three teams from the AFC North get into the playoffs again this year based off what we've seen. We know Balt- We talked earlier about run game and defense. Well, that's Baltimore, and Baltimore has proven time and time again that you can still win a lot of games like that. And if they're, you know, their receiving core uh, takes shape how on paper it looks, then you add a different element going into the season. Uh, to their to their offense, um, but just based off what we've seen the last couple of years, they can get into the playoffs alone based off their formula. And until I see a losing record from Mike Tomlin, I just can't expect <laughs> them to have a losing season. You know, no matter what the roster and what turn turnover they're having, uh, they just find wins and they find enough wins to get into the playoffs uh, for the, for more, more times than not. So you got to factor Pittsburgh being there uh, just based off history. And their coaching staff and Cleveland, we saw the upstart, but again, Cleveland is sort of built like Baltimore in terms of, you know, what you're going to get, you know, where they're strongest. Now Cleveland had a better situation at receiver because you have two legit ones, in my opinion, um, and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Who you're going to get back healthy. So now you have that element of the explosive big play downfield. So I just, I just find it hard to find, uh, teams that are that are gonna beat these teams you know down in down out and if Cincinnati's offensive line takes shape Cincinnati reminds me not record wise but of that 0-16 Browns team where you watched them lose games last year and was like man they had that game won they they were in that game they had a lead you know so the Bengals are not as bad as the fifth overall pick suggests they were right so you got to feel like they're still that team that could be a fly in the ointment team you know they can make a a play for that seventh and final playoff spot if the offensive line comes together because i think defensively um their second level may be one of the most athletic uh in in the division they got linebackers that can run cover and, and do everything that you want they're good in their base defense based off how athletic those linebackers are but can they find consistent pass rush? Can they protect Joe Burrow? That's the biggest question is mainly at the point of attack. And if they, and you see that's where they emphasize a lot of their picks in the draft. They went three picks along the offensive line. They went four picks along the defensive front seven. So that tells you they know their point of attack play in this division has to get better. And if that improves, you'll see them flirt with eight wins this year. Uh, in a 17 game season, which would be the old seven and nine record. Um, but I do think Cincinnati is a team that is someone that you'll say, man, you don't want to play them. They could beat you legitimately because uh, they got, they're going to have explosive playmakers on offense. Um, and defensively, the back seven, I'm not worried about. It's just a point of attack play, which could be the difference in winning and losing in the AFC North. So three teams, I still believe, are, are going to come out this division. Um, because again, for those reasons that I mentioned, I just it's hard to find, uh, you know, the, the the reasons why teams in the division, other than you know some fluky 
uh, regression, but that's just, you know, happenstance. A lot, you know, that could be injury, all that stuff that you don't really want to factor in. But if just off paper, off the paper roster, and based off how we've seen some of the pieces play out last year, talking about Baltimore, talking about uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, I, I struggle to see how three teams don't get in again. And, you know, you mentioned all that with the Bengals defense. And it's weird because, you know, unless you're deep into this, like folks like myself, like Emery, um, one of the players that doesn't get spoken about, maybe one of the best safeties in the NFL is Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals. So, you know, front, uh, you know, strengthening, you know, your front four, obviously your linebacking core and having, you know, one of the better safeties in the NFL and Jesse Bates, just a coup right now for the Bengals, obviously have their quarterback in place, have some weapons for him. Emery, one quick question before we let you go whole bunch of rookies coming to the AFC North. Everybody always knows the headliners. What's one name that maybe not a lot of people are talking about for any of these four teams? What's one name, one rookie for any one of these four teams in the AFC North that you think folks should keep your eye on? He may be a bigger contributor than most people will ever talk about. I'm going to go with Quincy Roche from Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of the talk, obviously, when you look at the frontline rookies of, of all teams, right? You know, Baltimore mm-hmm. got the receiver. Uh, Steelers got, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Heath Miller all over again, you know, with Najee Harris and <laughs> Pat Fryermuth. Uh, the Bengals got Jamar Chase. The Browns, you know, did what they did uh, in the first round and then, you know, in the second round getting Owusu Moore. But I I think people forgot that the Steelers got Quincy Roche. And Roche was a dog at Temple. Um, I thought he probably should just stay there and just continue to ball out. But he wanted to challenge himself, went up to Miami, I went down to Miami, uh, went into the ACC, and was really good running sidecar to Jalen Phillips. There were times where Roche made more of a splash in the game than Phillips did, and he was a six-round pick for Pittsburgh, And which is funny because now Pittsburgh is looking to replace Bud Dupree. They have T.J. Watt. They like the progress Alex Highsmith made last year, and now you have a guy that's going to be a, a higher gun so to speak, in Roche, he doesn't have a, a starting role. So he gets to come in whenever they need additional pass rush, and that's what he does well. So I just think that's going to be someone we're going to talk about by week nine, week ten. Like, man, look how well Roche has you know, acclimated himself to the league and played in you know spot duty reserve role. And I think that's someone that we're going to look back and like, wow, how does this guy last to the sixth round? And that's always been a, a strong point for the Steelers. Obviously, just not their starting edge rushers, but Bud Dupree moving on, um, and most likely, you know, Highsmith, you know, earning this starting role. But it's always been about, you know, who they had behind those top two. And you think about Roche coming into that system, which just seems to, you know, flourish, you know, for you know outside linebackers, edge rushers, as far as pass rushers. Plus, he comes in with, you know, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And not a lot of pressure as far as the Steelers are concerned. You know, hey, just come in, do your thing. We've got a very defined role for you as a rookie. Come on in, chase after some quarterbacks. You know, hopefully it's Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and not Baker Mayfield for me and my listeners. But that's just the way it goes. Folks, he is Emery Hunt, owner uh, and obviously, you know, the establisher of football game plan. Great place to just pick up more knowledge of the game in general. Emery does a fantastic job over there. Uh, part of the Ross Tucker podcast, uh, you know, brings a you know great different voice perspective, former player voice to it, uh, you know, through CBS Sports, whether it is uh, 
from, you know, obviously uh, doing play-by-play or finding himself sitting down and taking you all through an NFL Sunday or a Saturday in college football as far as, you know, betting lines, things of that nature. One of my favorite, one of the hardest working men in this business. Make sure you're following at Football Game Plan, Mr. Emery Hunt. Emery, thanks so much for joining us here today. My listeners, iTunes, yes, back up and running. Uh, Spotify, Odyssey, thanks everybody who was willing to adapt. You know, while we had the issue with Apple Podcasts, make sure you're subscribed, leaving those five-star ratings. Those written reviews means a ton. Make sure you're following at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, follow back account. DMs are always open. Questions, ideas. We have a lot more flexibility here in the offseason. So anything you guys want to incorporate, it's a good idea. You know, we'll always take the ball and we'll run with it. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.